0: Welcome to the How Did That Work Out podcast, where we share, explore, as well as inspect internally and externally a variety of our life situations, as well as others, all for the purpose of answering, how did that work
1: out? I'm your host, Graham. And I'm your host, Mike J. Here we go. All right. Hey, man, how's it going? It's going great. It's it's a Tuesday. Uh, Yesterday was a holiday, so that's working out pretty well.
0: (laughs) How'd you Uh, spend your holiday?
1: Really just working on my technical stuff, you know, working on my office a little bit. Um, It's a work in progress, so, you know, I'm trying to to implement like a theme for it. Mm. And so it's going little by little, definitely not as fast as my wife would like, that's for sure. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, yeah you know she uh she came in like gosh this was like sometime last year she came in and like cleaned everything top to bottom moved everything out to reorganize rearrange and then you know then we moved back in only the things i needed um and then it got messy again because i keep ordering from amazon and so all these boxes keep coming in and you know i save boxes because if it something doesn't work or it's not what i expected i want to return it yeah yeah. The next thing you know, you know, the office is full of empty cardboard boxes and also product you know, product packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm putting forward a more concerted effort to not just, you know, keep the boxes at bay, but to also organize all my cables and whatnot and all while embracing, you know, a theme. You know, for the office or a look, if you will. So I'm, you know, really, I'm really tied to the industrial, you know, look. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm adding metal accents, you know, wherever I can. So like for my cable management, um, my desk faces the door. So it makes it hard to hide cables when there's no wall to hide them. So yeah. I thought I would do some cable management and make it look nice, maybe tuck it under the desk so that all you saw were the cables from the items on top of your desk kind of go underneath your desk and then and then be gone. Well, I was trying to use these plastic ties right. Right. that stick to the bottom of your desk and then it holds the cables. And I kept finding that the, the ties would not stay. They wouldn't, they would come unstuck. And so... Now you've got these hanging cords and, and cables with a plastic tie tied to it, but it's not attached to the table anymore. So everything's sagging. and yep. So I thought, okay, how do I fix this? All right. How'd you I... fix it? <laughs> well, okay. So meaning, I, you know, I want to embrace the industrial look, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, what can I do as a two for one? How can I embrace my aesthetic? You oh, get a well. rivet gun. Oh, well, <laughs> not too far. Not too right. far. So what I did was I bought clamps, metal clamps that you know they're C-shaped clamps, right? So they're they're shaped like a C, and you, and you screw them, mm-hmm. uh, and then they act like a like a like a vice, mm-hmm. right? So you have a bottom and a top, right? You have the 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 C, and then you screw the bottom, until it gets as tight as you need it, and then it, right. it literally clamps onto whatever you want to clamp it to. So I bought like six of those, and I put my cabling inside the C, and then I attached the clamp to my desk, to the end of my desk. So now you have these metallic clamps strategically placed on the outside of my desk with cable running through it, so it looks, it, it does look a little grunge, but at the same time, that's kind of the intent, right? I mean, if it's industrial you've got exposed wiring and ducting and things of that sort so it kind of gives that vibe while also keeping my cables from drooping. yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that's nice man that's nice
1: well i I probably didn't describe it great i should probably take a picture of it but uh
0: well i mean it's at least conceptually you've got you've uh, got form and function happening at the same time
1: (laughs) both at the same time yeah yeah so um I'm pretty happy with it. Um, you know, I thought wow, this was probably the most creative I'd been in a while in in, in terms of solving a problem, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. not um, you know, uh not giving up on the aesthetic I was trying to reach. It it was pretty pat on my back type situation here where <laughs> it was like, wow, not only did you solve the problem, you also it, you also enhanced the look you were going for, right. You added to it. So it was like, Oh, right on. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: So anyway, it, it it's all been an ongoing part of, you know, trying to make the office a little, you know, again, clean and organized and not just a, a dumping place. I, you know, it's a place of work, you know, obviously I want to move the podcast studio to the office, so that you know I've got a desk and I've got access to multiple screens and what have you, so with all that being said, how was yeah, it makes it a big is.
0: difference when you um when you really like being where you work the the environment you create. Um, we rearranged my office um, about a week or so ago uh, the, the desk was facing the door, we've got the, all the cable management going on um but we spun it around and now the like the the bookcases like the one you can see behind me and the other one and the desk only occupy half of the uh length of the room so the other half has these nice kind of eames style chairs over there and it's it's just opened it up a lot and then i've got some natural light coming in like directly onto me versus it was kind of hitting me on the side before right? <laughs> and uh and my wife added this um candle that the, it's the funniest concept but it smells so good it's perfect for what i've got i've got a lot of wood and metal going on in here um, like uh on on one of these bookcases do you remember um if you ever went to like, and, and this is old timey, like even when I was a kid, they were considered old timey. If you went to um, like gym class or a public pool, or even in colleges, if you, if there was a pool, they had these little cubbies for you to put your swim clothes when you were done, your wet stuff, and they were yeah. these little caged mm-hmm. boxes, and they'd have a number on them. Yes, there's like three of those sitting over there with books in them and stuff. But uh, the candle. Um, its scent is tobacco and honey wow
1: okay that's pretty masculine
0: it it has the the most distinct and i can't put i don't know if it's just like old man cologne plus the smell of bourbon combined you know it just it smells like a like a i don't know it's unique and i i've really come to like it <laughs>
1: so now it's it's more like a uh, a drawing room or a uh, parlor mm. <laughs> versus a, a home office
0: yeah it's a parlor i do i do parlor <laughs> tricks and
1: uh <laughs> while you sip your brandy and yeah uh, plot, and,
0: <laughs> plot and scheme and all that stuff um so yeah man, good luck on your um on your office aesthetic journey.
1: It's, it's, it's a journey, not a destination. And yet I think my wife wants it to be a destination like ASAP, <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not going to rush it because if you rush it, then you're not going to be happy with it. Then you're not going to really take care of it because it was like, oh, I'm just doing it to please somebody else. I'd rather do it so that it pleases me at a pace that pleases me. So it's an ongoing project that I can always go back to whenever I've, you know, if I've ever run out of things to do, Mm -hmm. then I can always go back to that. Or it's something where I can make time for, set aside that time, and then actually look forward to that time, you know, that I've set aside. And it's funny that you mentioned candles because part of my new Thing in my office is I bought a, a coffee warmer, which is kind of like a mini hot <laughs> plate.
0: Right, right.
1: And I also bought a bunch of candles to put on the coffee warmer when I'm not drinking coffee. Yeah. So that it, you know, I mean, we've tried the plug-in uh, air fresheners. We've tried the you know the kind that just kind of sit there. We've tried you know all kind of, and and they do smell great, but they don't they don't last and they're not prevalent. They hmm. it, it's too easy for it to for the 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 aroma to, to sink into the background whereas these mm-hmm. candles you let them go for a little bit until they until they completely melt inside their their glass jar yeah it fills the room mm-hmm. and you can even you can even smell it when you're coming into the room right. not right. not just as soon as you're in you got to kind of really kind of you know Look for it. It's just it's there. It's all around and it's pleasant. So, like you're using candle, I, I'm using more like um, tropical aromas and you know citrus and things of that sort. So nice, you know, maybe not as masculine as tobacco, <laughs> but <laughs> tobacco, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they they do have like leather uh, scented candles and you know things like that. So I, I don't know if I'll venture that quite that far, but you know I like vanilla. Uh, so just the smell of, of vanilla so I have a vanilla candle that I'll throw on every now and then just to kind of give it a neutral but kind of on the sweeter side of pleasant um, so
0: yeah without getting a cavity when you smell it I think uh, yeah <laughs> like those Yankee candles where you can just kind of feel yourself gaining weight when you smell them yes exactly
1: exactly and when they, and when they do it after food, like pound cake, like, you know, lemon pound cake and mm-hmm. stuff, it's like, okay, what are you doing to me here? Yeah. Triple <laughs> decker heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I go for the, you know, maybe the more outdoorsy, you know, kind of natural type sense uh, versus uh, baked goods.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: Um,
0: yeah, no, to your question, um, yesterday was good. I, uh, I worked and I took a nice long bike ride. Um, I've, <laughs> I've been finding a couple of times that I'll find people in our neighborhood, that, you know, there's, there's a small handful of trails, but then there's this one trail network that is just bananas. And it's, <laughs> it's so fun and it's really made me step up my biking game. And now I go out there and I try to beat my time. Not every time. Cause I'm human and inconsistent, but when I'm having a good day, I'll, uh, yesterday I, I did my best time out there and I keep finding like strays, like people who got out here, but they're not sure how to get back where they came from. So, um, yesterday was my second gig as a trail Sherpa <laughs> <laughs> where I'm, where I'm basically escorting people out of our neighborhood. <laughs> like, They're like, hey, you know, and I'm really, uh, I'd say, cordial on the trails. You know, Uh a a lot of people get into aggro mode and they're listening to uh, Black Death Speed Metal and getting all, you know, amped up, typically guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's sometimes me, but not when you interact with other people. You have to be a decent human being. I'm always real friendly. Try to make, you know, see if, hey, is this someone I might talk to later if I see them you know and you never know you're out there by yourself too so right right something happens to you you want to uh, extend some goodwill so uh both these people had been like waiting on somebody or they didn't know how to get out and and it's nice to ride with other people you learn stuff too right sure. so I'm like yeah come on I'll show you like, do you want to go the most direct route or the funnest route and one guy <laughs> wanted to go the funnest route and one uh, lady wanted to go the most direct route and
1: it was good, it was good, well, you know didn't it used to be the code though the outdoors where you were a good Samaritan to others, They're like you know if you're camping and you know somebody forgot their stove, you'd offer up your stove you know to let them cook or you'd you know help them hook up their camp or whatever it was uh, you know, I used to camp when I was younger, you know, I grew up in California, so we used to go to the mountains a lot when I was young, my uncles would take me, my dad would take me, mhm and you always kind of helped each other out. And, uh, but now it sounds like the outdoor adventure has turned into a singular, you know, uh, an individual, you know, space where you rage, (laughs) your workout is based on rage, uh, rather (laughs) than really appreciating that you're outside and that you're, you know, among nature and I would think that if you've got music blaring in your ears because you want to get that intense workout that you're forgoing all the other stimuli going on while you're on the ride. Um, So in other words, the ride, the pedaling, right, is the exercise. The music is, uh, you know, the motivator. But it also, I think, drowns out a lot of what you're what you really would be outside to ride for. I mean, am I off base on that? I mean, it's, it's specific to the individual. So,
0: um, bike riding outdoors to me is, um, supplemental to an indoor workout, right? Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely with purpose because, uh, I used to go to the gym three to five times a week. And then, you know, with the pandemic, being indoors with anybody was, was deadly. So, um, I got back into biking again and, um, I, I don't, I mean, biking kind of has to happen outside. You can do the stationary bikes, but again, you're back, you're stuck back inside. Right. Yeah. For me, the intention isn't to, um, you know, connect with nature. It's fun to be out in nature. You got the fresh air you got the the views and you're dealing with like real terrain. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you could compare it to camping. Those are two very different, um, like intents and approaches,
1: yeah, I just meant more like, you know, when you're outdoors, um, you're like, like you are right now, you're being more of a helpful sort. Whereas some other people are like, Hey, I'm in my bubble. Don't come near me. You can hear the music coming out (laughs) of their earphones. But, um, I look at it more like, well, if, if you're going to basically take your ride outside, I mean, some music as background is one thing, but when you're like you, I mean, I'm just, basing it off of what you said, like, you know, you can hear people with the metal, you know, metal music going through their earphones and whatnot. I just think that, well, if you want to do that, then get a Peloton. You know? Now if you want to put on some music that obviously motivates you, but you still take time during your ride to appreciate the surroundings, appreciate the you know, the out the outside. Whereas I think a lot of people want to go into their retreat into their own world and forget that they're outside even though they are outside getting their work out. So if you know, if you wanna have music blaring, get a Peloton. <laughs> you know, if you wanna have some light music and you wanna enjoy the scenery, then I think your approach is is better in that regard. I, I just think everything has it has its place and I think some people really miss out on a lot, uh a lot of opportunity when they you know blare their music and they, you know, wanna go for that that really, you know, rage filled, intense, um, um, you know, ride where all they see is the road in front of them. And all they hear is the music, you know, pumping in their ears. I I think you're missing out on on a lot.
0: Yeah, maybe. I will say this when I go for walks, it's, uh, just no devices, Mm. no reading the news, no, uh, nothing in my ear. Um, those are like, you know, you want to hear all that stuff. You, you also want to hear if someone's coming up behind you. Right? <laughs> um, right. I'll, I'll be uh, riding behind people walking and I've got, you know, the funniest little like three-year-old bike bell. Bing, bing. <laughs> and um, and I'll just be hammering it and they don't hear me. I'm like, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Like somebody could be running up on you, a bear. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or in these, this neck of the woods, you know, a mountain lion.
1: Yeah, it, well, exactly, and and I even see those commercials with you know people have the the cans on their ears, right? And they're walking through a, they're walking down a, a city street, you know, uh, you know, on the sidewalk and whatnot. And there's a crowd hustling and bustling, and of course the commercial, you know, wants you to buy those headphones so that you get lost and immersed in the music and you forget the world outside of you. But you're right, when right. you're in a big city, you don't have that luxury to forget the world outside of you because if you do that, then that makes you a target, right? So then, you know, rather than enjoying the music, you're going to be, you know, on the ground, mugged <laughs> and wishing you had, uh, you know, paid attention to your surroundings <laughs> instead of getting lost in your music. Yeah. You know, obviously, again, time and a place. If you're sitting on a train or a subway or something because your your back is facing something that you know, and your eyes are facing forward. So you can at least still have some, you know, way of knowing. Uh, but when you're walking down the street and your back is totally vulnerable, and then you've got music going on and you're just floating on air. Well, that's, uh, (laughs) to me, that's, that's not a good thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think time and place is, you nailed it with that. I think it's, you know, discretionary situational. It's not Black or white, yes or no, this or that. It's mm-hmm. use your best judgment.
1: Right. <laughs> what
0: right. you, you hear all your life, and as we find out, everyone's best judgment, one man's best judgment is another
1: man's worst judgment. <laughs> well, you couldn't have said it. You could, truer words have never been spoken, is what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: here, here. Hey, uh, and, um, and on that, mm-hmm. you want to take a little uh, coffee refill break? Absolutely.
1: Let's go ahead and do that. like what you hear so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the follow button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much. Now, back to the show. And we're back. And we're back. (laughs) Awesome.
0: So we talked about office uh, renovation or at least like makeover, overhaul. Makeover doesn't sound very manly, but... (laughs) And we, and we talked about uh, courtesy out in the uh, conceptual wild and in the real wild. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Ta- time and place.
1: Well, you know, I know that um, last week while we were talking, I, I noticed you jotted down some notes, and uh, I think that was going to be our intention to kind of maybe circle back and maybe dive a little deeper on, on some of the notes that you had taken that we had just basically touched on uh, last week. Um, you want to share what you wrote down, or
0: I do. And there's a there's a couple little things I've been sitting on too. And I mean, we're so early on into this to be sitting on stuff is like what you know we don't have any history behind us. <laughs> <laughs> but just some like interesting. Let me, let me start with this one. Um, this is uh, going back to uh, trail riding and being um, you know kind of a um, a good boy scout right okay Mm -hmm. when i there's this concept that i don't even know what you call it it's an experience i've had a couple of times in my life and it's been really pronounced once when i was like 19 and then again when i was uh when i when i ran into some guy out out in the trails Mm. okay um and it's called me versus you turns to us versus them when i was 19 i worked in this restaurant it it, it just opened and i helped open the restaurant. Like I was helping, you know, pick out stuff to use in the pots and pans to use in the kitchen and, and how things would lay, be laid out. I worked in the kitchen for a while. And then I went and waited tables and there was this one guy, he was just for some reason, always just a little jagged toward me. He would, he'd be nice to me because other guys were being nice to me, but it, and, and, and he, it seemed specific, right? It seemed personal. I was like, why is he such an asshole to me? <laughs> and, um, I began to not like him, you know, I'm 19. So I'm not super, well, I'm 47 now and I'm not super emotionally mature, but you know, at that time you're like, yeah, fuck that guy, he's a dick, you know? And um, we'd all sometimes go play tennis after work or go play pool after work. And uh, one time we were playing pool and these other, and this was in a bar. Yeah, I'm 19, I'm in a bar, that's fine. Um, and these two guys a little bit older than us wanted to play and me and this other guy, his name was Bill. We were, we were pretty good. Mm -hmm. So we teamed up and all of a sudden the dynamic just changed. We had been on a team. We waited tables sort of, you know, but now it was instead of me against him, it was now us against them. And I had it all of a sudden inside of me, I had a different relationship with Bill Bill, Bill didn't know about it, but I did. It was just this feeling that you washed over me. You know what I mean?
1: Well, yeah. It, you took in the moment to say, wait a minute, our dynamic just changed. And you now have a common goal, which is to beat the other guys at pool. There, I think there's two ways to look at a team. When you're on a team at work, you are combining and pooling your resources for a specific outcome but when you're on a team and you're competing i think there is a, is a the, the drive really comes out in other words you may have drive as a, as a work team to put out your best work but there's not there's not really any competition because you're not comparing you know somebody unless you're bidding on something somebody's not going to say well let's take team A and team B and we'll pick the better one to use maybe in a creative sense but in a normal office setting that's not how it works you assign a team to a project cuz you want something done, right? And then the team pools together and gets that thing done. So there's their common goal. But when your common goal is competition and to beat someone else, and I don't know if that's just, you know, men, I don't know if it it takes place in women too, but it just seems like it it calls to our, you know, inner caveman where, you know, we tribe, they tribe our tribe better than they tribe, you know, so (laughs) it it just, it becomes very, you know, just, just as simplistic as it can be, which is I need to be better than those people over there. And since I have somebody with me who also wants that, right. The competition now it, it becomes, uh, your unifying factor.
0: Well, yeah. And you can distill that down to the common enemy unites, right. Correct. Um, so, in, and that was almost 30 years ago. And the reason this is front of mind uh, for me today is because uh, I was out on the trail and um, there was this long straightaway and I saw a guy probably 50 yards in front of me. Um, I mean, a really long straight. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to catch him. You know, you're just like, yeah, and here's, there's that boost I was looking for. And so I caught him and he stopped and, oh, well, he had already kind of stopped when I caught up to him. And I just rode past him, saying, "Hey, man, you having a good ride?" And he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Cool." And I just kept going. And then I hear him like say something, so I turned down my rage music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're that guy.
0: <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Hey," and he started asking a lot of questions about the trails. And we started talking. And then there's this, you know, this natural moment when you're talking to a stranger, you introduce yourself at some point because you're like, "Okay, we got a rapport." But the first thing he said when I asked him, "Hey, you having a good ride?" He's like, "Anything's better than this," and I didn't take offense to it, but I was just like, this trail s- segment is awesome. Everyone loves this. I don't know what your problem is, so I'm gonna keep on going. You know, it was like that. Yeah. And he was complaining about the climbs and all the this and that. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, me seemed like he didn't know his way out but he didn't want to admit it and i was like yeah you can follow me out he's like i'm not worried about getting a like everything i said was was kind of um needed to be corrected by him Do you okay. understand yeah i, I I've, I've dealt with people like that and it's really um it's draining so i was just like yeah i want to go well he ended up following me out and i was like you know I'm gonna kill him with kindness. I'm not gonna let this ruin my ride. He's like, and he started asking questions again about how to get here. Or there, I go. Hey, follow me. I'll take you there. And he was a good rider. I mean, he was a really good rider. He's just kind of jerky. And uh, I said, Hey, you wanted? He wanted to take the fun way, so I took him along this real fun way. And I was like, Well, you know, your way from here, I think. He's like, Yeah. I'm like, All right. And and you know, this whole time in my head, I'm like, Hope I never see this jerk again. But all of a sudden, this group of like five bike bikers come up. And again, all of a sudden, it's us against them because we're a little team and they're a little team and you have to represent, you know, you don't like (laughs) five guys don't roll up on you and you go, no, we're going to take, we're going to take you individually. (laughs) But it was the, it was the weirdest feeling all over again. And so our dynamic shifted and the conversation changed. The tone mellowed a little bit. It was so bananas, man.
1: I mean, I, I don't know what to say to that in the sense that, you know, here you had a guy, what I'm hearing about you describing that guy is that, you know, I I think a lot of times we're our, we're our own worst enemy. We get in our own way Mm -hmm. because we see it as a sign of weakness to ask for help. So he wasn't going to overtly ask for help, but he was going to throw out all the signs showing he needed help by complaining and getting grumpy and bristling at the fact that you would offer. And yet, it's so funny, yet he still took you up on everything that you had offered without saying yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Th- I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm zeroing in on right now. And I know that's not the focus of your story, but then the dynamic does change. and And, and you now have this common goal, right, which is to show those five what's up. And I think that's like, if you think about it, that's kind of like a formula in a lot of movies, right, where um, everybody's, at, you know, at each other's throats, right, and then something external happens to them, and then they band together, and now right. they right. fight together, and they, you know, yeah. and yeah. they look out for one another, and and it's, I don't know, there's something, I think, that gives us that, that warm and, and uh, encouraged feeling that, that shows that, okay, we can be completely different people, right? But when something confronts us both at the same time and the stakes are high, right? Well, maybe not five riders being, you know, high stakes, but, <laughs> but when it comes down to it, the stakes are kind of high because you're not going to let them show you up.
0: Yeah, my ego is high stakes.
1: (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Especially especially as dudes, right? We're not going to let somebody just kind of, you know, storm into our turf and take it over. Um, So there are, I think, a lot of examples where that happens. And perhaps uh, that's something we can look for actively is more opportunities, right, to, I don't want to say bond, but more opportunities to, you know, interact with others by finding that thing that you both can relate to, unite against, uh, you know, things like that.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think um, people with sort of prickly or off-putting personalities, by this time in their life, they're very aware of it, but they are who they are. And they they get varied reactions. And I think when they get a reaction that that isn't like, That that handles them with a little bit of kid gloves. I think they're cool with that. They're like, okay, you know, I can be my jerky self and you'll put up with it. So.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Some people thrive on that, right? Some people thrive on the, um, on the negative energy, believe it or not. I mean, some people will create a negative space, Mm -hmm. hoping that you'll react firmly, you know, and if you don't, then they kind of see you as weak. That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah, and hoping that you react thusly, or f- thusly, or this way, or that way. Yeah, everyone's got their own.
1: <laughs> right, right. They want to kind of draw you into that and see what kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. You know, give me what you got. And then if you just don't engage, i are going to be like, oh, well, that's a weak person. I wouldn't want to be around anyway. Yeah, and if you match fire with fire, sometimes that's explosive, and that's not good. Yeah, and it's like, wait, he's trying to outdo me, and then you get... More aggro. So with, with some people, it's kind of hard to find that sweet spot, isn't it? Where, yeah, you know, you, you, you try to find out how, you know, where, where they're operating at. And then you either, and it's so funny. I mean, even in the nonverbal stuff, you try to find, okay, where are they operating? And are they, you know, ca- is this a situation where I match it or I come in a little bit under, or I come in a little bit over? I, you, you, we're always feeling each other out, believe it or not, to find out where is this person's sweet spot. Because what you're giving out isn't necessarily what you're expecting to give back, and vice versa, mm-hmm. right? What you're, you know, what somebody else is is giving out, um, you may view that as, uh, you know, different levels of yeah. being, right? That you may or may not agree with. So it's just funny how we're all putting we're all putting out these signals, mm-hmm. whether we realize it or not. And then we all respond to the feedback of those signals in varying ways. And it's not always consistent, is it? I mean, sometimes it's based on mood, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, circumstantial, yeah. So after those five guys rolled off, we swapped some some tips on equipment and technique and went our separate ways. And I wouldn't mind running into them again
1: based on that. Okay. well, I mean, not somebody you'd actively seek out to ride with, but if you saw (laughs) them if you saw him it, it's not the end of your day, you know. Yeah. So at least there's that. That's a win.
0: <laughs> yeah. So hey, so I'm going to throw out a few topics. Okay? Uh from from ye old notebook. Cool. And put you on the spot and let you pick. Does that sound good? Uh, I'm I'm down. Okay. So um in conversations we've had previous, um you know, we always kind of dip and we either like Cannonball into it, or we just we just keeps, you know, skimming across the water. You like those analogies? I do. So uh, and a couple ones that we just dipped in was um, The nuances of quitting or staying at a job, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is frameworks and um, Depending on what lens you're looking at that word through it means so many different things it Frameworks. does um, Organizational skills that came up when uh you and i were talking about how um ridiculously uh slammed 2021 has has made me uh it it ain't messing around (laughs) and i've got to run a tight ship um and then stoicism Uh, in conversations we've had um you've you've mentioned stoicism a a few times and to be 100 percent honest Um, I can't say I'm familiar with, like, it's not something I could bring up in conversation and speak to. Sure. And I don't know if maybe people who don't know and are interested, um, you know, talk about it as a, as a a life concept and maybe some of the major players over time.
1: I think I'll take stoicism for a hundred, (laughs) Alex.
0: In the form of a question, please. (laughs) Uh, uh, R.I.P. big know. guy. Love yeah. That guy.
1: So, no, I, I like the idea of the stoicism. Um, and, it, you know, it's not something that I that I live every day by. It's something I strive toward. And I, I think that if we're going to, you know, as as individuals, if we're going to try to expand our level of being in the sense that we want to try to be better every day, that maybe we try to take something on that might, you know, help us. Uh, this does tie, in, tie into frameworks, believe it or not, that gives mm-hmm. us a framework that we still have plenty of room to maneuver within a framework. And the framework itself isn't even rigid where if you go out of bounds, you're you're ruined. Um, <laughs> yeah. So stoicism, I started looking into it around the time I was getting very miserable uh, at my previous employment. And I know I railed on that a lot in the uh, previous episode, but um, <laughs> I was looking for ways to cope and i was almost desperate to find a way to cope so i turned to writing so i used to write and i would i would actually post my things in a what i would call a semi a semi anonymous blog so you know i would write my thoughts and then i would uh, actually spend time you know polishing that and then uh, mm-hmm. publishing it um, mm-hmm. and it was a way for me to get my, my thoughts out, and I'll turn to the Stoicism here in just a second, the Stoicism part of that, mm-hmm. but what I found was is that, okay, I'm writing for me, and it was great to get things out, and then I'd publish it, and the way it was, it was this, uh, it's this, note, this note-taking app, and so you, write, you can write notes down, but you can also publish your notes if you want and then it becomes, and it's already pre-formatted, and it becomes a little blog. So I was doing this, publishing it out loud, if you will, but not really saying who I am or where I worked. I mean, I didn't want to do that, but it would yeah. help me with my observations of others, and my observations of my of how I'm handling certain situations, and really going into my feelings, and what what do I really want from this, or from that, or whatever. And I thought, well, nobody's reading it, but that's okay. Right, and then I found it had a guest book feature, and so I was looking at the guest book, and I was getting so much positive feedback mm-hmm. thanking me for sharing myself, for chronicling my journey and you know encouraging me to you know keep it up. you're gonna find what mm-hmm. works, you're gonna find something better out mm-hmm. there, um just praising you know the approach and the attitude and and everything, and I was just blown away. I was like, "The support came out of nowhere," and I didn't think anybody was even reading this thing, right? Mm-hmm. But there were, obviously. Um, so, I started looking at writing as kind of a, a a bridge into that stoicism thing. Okay. Okay. And and I was looking f- at stoicism as maybe a way for me to build um, kind of a a shield okay against the things that i feel were chipping away at me wearing me down and making me less of a better person okay okay so if we're to look at stoicism like i've i've got a definition a kind of a definition here and it says you know basically stoicism was designed to help people live their best possible lives it's a philosophy of life that maximizes positive emotions reduces negative emotions and helps individuals to hone their virtues of character. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there might be a lot in there, but basically what it's saying is, is that it, it challenges you to be a better person by focusing on the positive, even in a larger negative situation or those emotions, be conscious of those negative emotions, okay? But how do you work through them? So that those negative emotions might spawn, you know, positive thoughts, positive feelings, okay, Um, perhaps even a positive plan of action. Um, So, you know, just to read a little further, it says, At any moment, in any situation, at any stage of life, Stoicism provides a framework for living well. It reminds people of what is truly important, providing practical strategies to get more of what's valuable. Stoicism was deliberately created to be understandable, actionable, and useful. Okay? So it, I liked it because it didn't require a lot of learning of how to be something. It didn't require mm-hmm. if you're going to do it right, you got to do it this way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? It it, mm-hmm. it it's it's really based on a lot on the individual, okay? And we actually, there are some Stoics throughout history that we may or may not have known were stoics uh Marcus Aurelius, probably being one of the the more famous the the Roman emperor um mm-hmm. and he's basically known as like the best you know stoic leader in history um and his story real quick was that he was born into an influential family. Uh, but no one at the time had expected that one day he would actually be the ruler of the empire. Um, and so what he did is, um, as he was, you know, he, he led wars and he also had, uh, political rivals that he had to deal with and he had a kingdom to rule. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so what he did is he turned to writing and he would write his meditations Uh, In his tent, he would, you know, take time at at night to reflect on the day he just had and then also to make a bit of a plan for the next day while acknowledging certain things aren't going to change, right? The negative aspects aren't going to change, but what he would do in his writing, which was really just for him, it was a journal, but he would then use that negativity to challenge himself to be better to overcome in a positive way instead of fighting fire with fire but then while also accepting his place right in that negative cycle
0: now is it possible he was a stoic and he didn't didn't know it <laughs> like like did he invent it or was it already uh, something in existence
1: at his time you know, I can't find anything that would that would suggest that this was an intentional thing for him and not just mm. a, a coping mechanism, much like what I was looking for. Right, um, right, right. But it, what's funny is is that he turned that not he, but somebody had turned his writings into a book that you can actually mm. buy today, and it's basically called mm. Meditations, uh, mm-hmm. the, or the Book of Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, and it was mm-hmm. taking his journal. And the thing about that is, is that you can maybe relate to some of the things that he was enduring, maybe not like for like, but what I'm saying is like, if you've got political rivals, well, then maybe you've got somebody at work that you're not getting along with particularly well. And, you know, they actively try to subvert you. Yeah. Um, Like the,
0: the sword sharpening guy never gets my sword as sharp as I want it.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and it also used to help him cope with the, the, the stress of leadership and the stress of war, you know, yeah. which leads to loss. And he actually did care about his empire quite, quite a bit. He wasn't one of those excessive Roman emperors. In fact, part of his stoicism was he chose to live humbly. Um, he wasn't flashy. He wasn't arrogant. He was very humble in how he lived, how he spoke, um, and how he led. So he could also be credited with being one of the earliest uh, servant leaders as well, which is kind of a new buzzword that's kind of catching on, which mm-hmm. I think is great because too many times leaders think of themselves as the tip of a pyramid, mm-hmm. um, which everything flows to the top and the top person says what is and what isn't and and yeah, that's a feeling of power. But when you're a servant leader, you're actually at the bottom of the pyramid providing that foundation. And what you're doing is you're working for your team mm-hmm. so that they can succeed. And the team then, you know, usually would come to realize that that's the case. And then they work harder, right? That ultimately helps you succeed. Yeah. And so it's very much a symbiotic relationship.
0: Yeah. I'm very familiar. And I. Heavily subscribed to uh, being a servant leader. I, my former business partner, I kind of, just in natural conversation, mentioned to him that that's my style of leadership. And he looked at me like I had a horn growing out of my forehead. <laughs> and
1: I'm like, all right. To some people, it's foreign. I mean, they, they really believe in a hierarchical sense. and, and yeah. yeah. And there is a hierarchy. Even if you're a servant leader, there is a hierarchy. But that hierarchy is inherited more than taken. It's earned. It's earned, yeah. It is, because then you become the, the person that the team can trust, that you're not going to do things that are only in your interest and not theirs, that you've demonstrated that everything that you say and do is in their interest for success.
0: Yeah, yeah. The way I kind of twisted, translated, and morphed it to work for me was to kind of, um, you know, the, the people around you, When you're a leader, you've chosen them to be around you or someone you chose to be around you chose them to be around you and enabling them to do their best to shine, to do the thing you need them to do was that was my job Mm -hmm. was was to clear out uh, roadblocks for them, not do the things for them, but give them either tools or opportunities to just be their best at what they do.
1: That's really well put. Um I agree and even in the military I embraced a a form of servant leadership which you would think the military is very specific in how you know rank structure is and how you lead. Mm-hmm. But believe it or not it still allows for an individual personality, you know, a leadership style within. And the the sad thing is is that some people think that their style is working when if you stepped outside yourself for, you know, two minutes, you'd see it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But some people are sensitive to certain, you know, uh, feedback, meaning that they can see things without them having to be said, right? Or they can feel things without them having to be um, spoken and things like that. And others are just clueless. They're just, you know, raging bulls that think that because nobody's complaining out loud, they must be doing everything right. Right. Um, Whereas I took more of a a servant leadership um, style in the military and I, you know, and I didn't do it to be liked. I did it because, you know, I've seen what happens. You know, you can beat people over the head constantly, you know, with a message or with, uh, you know, how you want things to be. And sometimes all that does is increase the resistance to it. Whereas if you work with somebody... And yeah. you help them identify the path forward, then they've bought into it because they had a stake in it, and yeah. therefore they're going to be more accountable for it right
0: it's It's a lot like raising children right like it is once if you can get them to buy in to have a say so or some input, they all of a sudden start to own the decision
1: well, exactly because they are <laughs> they are part owner right, or it was their you know it it was their idea right. To an extent i mean sometimes you can lead somebody down that path where you can make your idea a suggestion and maybe that's the the root of yeah. what the you know actual end result ends up being right and maybe it, well, yeah. that was the the little kernel of it but but overall when you give other people a say you give them a, you're giving them a vested interest in the success of that thing that's right
0: yeah totally agree so what are um some of the co- you know any uh belief system or anything basically anything that exists always has critics what are if there are what are some of the common criticisms of stoicism
1: um just in you know again in my uneducated uh you know pursuit of this uh in other words i'm not studying you know the books on stoicism i i mean i'll listen to a podcast here and there i'll watch a youtube video around it um, and I would say that some of the critics of it would say that with stoicism, you're um, you're either in denial of the situation, as it really is, because you're always looking for the positive. So you're not really embracing the seriousness of it, or you don't understand the impact that something can have, because you're always looking for that silver lining, if you will. Mm. hmm um, others could, uh, could say that with Stoicism, because Stoicism is, is based more on logic than emotion. So, you know, Stoicism encourages you to think about a situation, think through a situation. Yeah. And develop a path forward that is logical and and, um, and is free of emotion. Because while others are being emotional you as the stoic are being the logical therefore you can see answers that others can't see through their emotion so some might even say then as a stoic that you lack uh, empathy or even compassion <laughs> which <laughs> is certainly not the case right mm-hmm. i mean but you're looking at things through a different lens and some and and even like okay so seneca the younger seneca was also a well-known stoic and um you know with seneca he was accused a lot of having like no feelings mm-hmm. okay and um he was even um imp- imprisoned by uh the roman emperor Cl- uh, claudius because um basically he thought that since seneca uh, actually, I'm going to actually I'm I'm going to back up a bit here. Uh, so I'm going to say here that when uh, Claudius became emperor, he exiled Seneca to the island of Corsica. Eight years later, Agrippina, the mother of the future emperor Nero, and the widow of Claudius, granted him permission to return and become her son's tutor. Seneca's death came under the orders of Nero himself, who thought Seneca was part of a plot against him. Um, and so again from what i understand um his lack of emotion kind of put people off because he would look at things try to look at things for what they were and look at what the options existed for what they were
0: mm-hmm.
1: versus letting you know the emotion of the moment rule uh his his path and so Um, I do believe that's why Nero actually thought that Seneca was plotting against him because Seneca basically never got riled. (laughs) So if you never get riled and you're just always there, you know, straight faced when everybody else is either, you know, freaking out or laughing hysterically or whatever. And you're the one that's just kind of sitting there, you know, stoically. (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, It kind of puts people off like, what is you know doesn't this person see what we see, and so when you're going against the pack uh you're not always favored no, yeah, well, the pack <laughs> <laughs> exactly, the group think even right so, yeah, you know, um but in any case to 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 bring it back to you know why stoicism interests me is because that I feel that if if I can understand stoicism better, then I can use it as a tool, not just when um, I'm surrounded by the negative, but I can also use it as a tool when I'm surrounded by the positive Mm -hmm. um, so that you can look at things again for what they are logically. And if it's in the positive, you can then take a look at, okay, what brought that about and how can I continue that? Right. But you can also kind of do a kind of a risk assessment as well
0: Mm -hmm.
1: based on, okay, I'm in a good place right now what could get in the way of that Mm -hmm. and how do I prepare for that? Mm -hmm. So stoicism is also about that preparation. So when you reflect, um, you're reflecting on the lessons of the day that would then help you to cope, you know, for the um, unknowns of tomorrow. Okay. So that you have a plan of preparation. It's almost like stoicism was the basis of the saying that goes, you know, uh plan for the worst, but hope for the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's stoicism, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, by okay. everything you've
0: said so far, um, it, <laughs> the math works out.:
1: <laughs> well, and, and again it's 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 a method, um, and I would say that stoicism, because of the the humility behind it, um, but also it advocates you know simplicity don't overcomplicate things because when you do that, you're going to bring about a negative income because you, you yourself or others that you, you know, place trust in, if you make things too complicated, it's almost certain to fail. Mm -hmm. So you keep things as, as simple as they can be, right. As rudimentary as it can be so that it's achievable. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so I think that that also ties a bit into minimalism because, Marcus Aurelius did live minimally, right? He didn't lavish himself with luxury. He chose to be that servant leader, and also by being that servant leader, decided to live like a common person, Mm -hmm. okay? And so therefore, he felt he was no better or no worse than the people that he ruled in his kingdom. He felt kind of an equal to them. And while that may or may not be true, I mean, can somebody of a higher position ever truly be equal? No, but you can empathize with other people because we all have a position, right? So you can, so it encourages that empathy that people think that stoicism lacks, um, but it also in the simplicity of your plan or the simplicity of your thoughts, um encourages also minimalism, which is, you know, basically living with the things, you know, ar- materialistically living with the things around you that serve a purpose and discarding everything that doesn't right. so that you avoid clutter. And, you know, when you have clutter, it, it com- you know, creates complexity. And when you have complexity, right, you have stress. And, you know, so basically minimalism and stoicism, I think, together uh, make for a much simpler way of living and being and even thinking and even approaching things, but not to the detriment of that you are numb <laughs> right or that you don't feel others pain um, or that because you live minimally that you're um, you know you don't watch TV or listen to radio. I mean that's not the case. I mean you can you can live a normal life. But by choosing to live lighter, lighter in your possessions, lighter in your thoughts, lighter in your actions, even um, it 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 creates a a kind of a, a blissful state.
0: Yeah, yeah. Seems like it takes um, going back to reference uh, sort of um, leading by servitude and um, not living in luxury based on your your status seems like it takes a lot of discipline and humility, but it also now anyway, seems like it would take a, a good bit of untraining, uh, to, to what we understand to be like social hierarchies, right? Like to, to, th- cause it seems like an unnatural, like almost counterintuitive mindset, but with, with phenomenal, uh, results.
1: No, you're absolutely right. It is uh, unconventional wisdom in the sense that less is more, right? Um, You know, the less complicated the plan, the more effective it has, you know, it can become. Um, So you're absolutely right. It does require a different way to look at things. And what's funny is, though, is that I stumbled upon both stoicism and minimalism, which, again, I'm not there on either one, but I am striving, to one day be a minimalist and to uh, incorporate more stoicism into my daily life. Um, But it came from a a place of pain. It came, it came about my search came from, you know, me being in a state of pain. And I think that's as humans, when we're most likely to make a change, not when we're happy and things are going great. Why would we? Mm -hmm. Right. But when we're in a state of pain, then we look for those things. So I would encourage, um, you know, anybody listening uh, that even if you're in a good place, maybe look into some of these philosophies. Uh, and again, they're not rigid, but just look into it to see if it can even help enhance your your current positive state or if it can help you um, prolong that positive state by looking for things that could end it, right, or impede it. Um, so there's a lot of reasons that when you're in a good place that you would want to look for something different as well. Uh, not to break something that isn't broken, but to keep that thing that isn't broken from breaking.
0: Yeah. And at the very least to round out the corners, to just to reduce friction. You know, uh, a lot of these things um, that we bring into our lives, they either kind of bring pleasure or pain, and it's it's not always uh, up front, right? Um, it's something could be immediately pleasurable and then later it's painful. So smoothing that stuff out. So, um, you can kind of stack your happiness on top of those little achievements is, is, uh, is a good idea.
1: Well, and again, that's where I, that's where I say it's a bit of risk assessment, but it's also risk mitigation. Um, and that's kind of a technical term, uh, that we use in, in, in technical projects is, you know, we, we uh you know do a risk assessment to find out okay what could prevent this project from being as absolutely successful as possible and then risk mitigation is what is your plan should the risks that you identified show up but also what is your plan if a risk you didn't identify shows up so you kind of have to have a plan for the unplanned <laughs>
0: yeah yeah
1: um and that's why i say it really to encapsulate it it's you know you plan for the you know you hope for the you hope for the best but you plan for the worst and that's where that comes from is because when you plan for the worst, you're thinking of every possible thing that could go wrong and you have a way to address it because you thought of it beforehand. So it's nothing new when it appears. Whereas if you don't give any thought to what could go wrong to anything, right, whether you know it's your job or whether it's a relationship, if you don't give any thought to what could go wrong, uh, then how do you address it? when it actually does. So it's almost better to pre-identify it, pre-plan for it. And if it never happens, great, you know, and that's where the discipline that you mentioned comes in, Graham. It's the discipline comes in that, you know, you daily reflect that's discipline to set aside time for yourself to reflect daily. Right. But there's also, and I, this doesn't get, this isn't stated anywhere this is my observation is that it also takes discipline to be able to um, go into the negative as you're planning your risks mm-hmm. and your mitigation you're you're going into the negative space because you're thinking of all the things that can go wrong and that can pull you in and keep you there in the negative yeah but the discipline is is that if if I'm planning for a negative I don't get I don't get stuck in there because I'm also now planning for a positive to overtake that negative
0: yeah which seems which seems to address the sort of pollyanna criticism of stoicism mm-hmm. it's, you know you're you're playing on both sides but you're executing ideally on the one side
1: absolutely absolutely so that i couldn't have said it better where you're look, you're actually looking at both sides instead of one side of a coin right And, but like I said, though, there is that discipline, um, you know, kind of like, you know, police officers and doctors and nurses, you know, they see so much of that negative. It's hard for them to come out of that. Right. Um, So when we start, you know, planning, you know, the demise of one of our goals or one of our plans or, you know, one of our notions, then it's easy to get caught up in, well, then why wouldn't that happen? You know, instead, if it happens, here's here's what I'm gonna do to address that. Yeah,
0: yeah. then you get target fixation and yeah. all of a sudden <laughs>
1: all of a sudden you run into that tree you've been staring at. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You wanna take a little break? Yeah. Let's go for it. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic, be sure to sign up for our email list at hdtwoshow.substack.com. And we're back.
0: Hey, hey. <laughs> well, that was that was um, a nice dive into um, the world of stoicism and minimalism. Um, and it seems or more like than what, you ever wanted to know. <laughs> well, it, it, well, it, it seems like one of those things. It's like. Um, you know the the whole tip of an iceberg analogy. There's so much to learn, and all the little nooks and crannies and unexplored parts of one self that it could apply to.
1: Absolutely, and that, and that's that's with anything meaningful, I would think, right? Where you 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 delve into it just a little bit, and if it piques your interest, you know, by all means pursue it. And that's why I'm glad you brought it up so that we can, you know, uh, encourage our listeners to look into stoicism and or minimalism, not based on, you know, what we've experienced, or I've experienced, or because I say it's awesome, meaning look into it for yourself to see if it's if it's something that can help you in your daily life, in all aspects of your life. It's not a religion. Um, and it's not, you know, necessarily Zen, although, you know, meditation is part of anything positive where you take time out and you, uh, you know, kind of push out all the external, uh, stimuli and you focus inwardly. Um, but I think though, that if you were to look into stoicism, you might find some nuggets in there that could be helpful or useful, Uh, Not just to you, Graham, but again, to our listeners. Uh, And and as I found it, as I looked for it as a coping mechanism, um, I still turn to it even when things are good, because I think we all owe it to ourselves to look at, okay, even though things are good now, what happens when things do change? Because that's the inevitability, right? Things will change.
0: Mm, Yeah, right. Giving yourself um, the freedom or the privilege to not have to assign yourself to, you know, uh, I you don't have to be a minimalist or a stoic or a vegan, but if you're working toward something or you're subscribing to that publication, <laughs> <laughs> that's just fine. You know, they're not uh, merit badges that you collect and so on your shirt. They're belief systems that you actually apply to your life.
1: Well, that's good stuff, man. Thanks for uh, bringing up a great topic uh, on the stoicism and, you know, sharing uh, your your bike ride adventures, but not just for the sake of the riding, but really it encouraged you to really think beyond the bike ride and really, you know, look into interpersonal dynamics and what everyday situations can do to change those dynamics. And that's what it's all about. So, absolutely. Let us know what you like most about this episode. Head over to hdtwoshow.locals.com to join our community or shoot us an email at advice at hdtwo.show. That's advice at hdtwo.show.